Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our lead pastor, Mike Wares. And as we begin today, I, 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 I wanted to say... Uh, some of y'all have been complaining, and I, I, I got to tell you, some of y'all have complained that you haven't seen any pictures of my grandchildren lately. Okay, so, and I, I want to tell you, I've done this for you all because some of y'all that have grandchildren were intimidated by how cute and adorable mine were, okay? And, and I, I guess my grandchildren are putting yours to shame. I, I don't know. Uh, this is Blair, and she is uh, on the streets of San Francisco there. She's in charge of San Francisco, and, uh, and, and uh, my daughter and her husband live in San Francisco, and they're holding her hostage there. I'm sorry. Uh, and then this one is, is Ellie and Vivian. They live in Manhattan, Kansas. My son teaches theology at Manhattan Christian College. Now, good news is they're moving to Georgia. Hey. <laughs> They're going to, my son will be teaching theology at Point University in West Point, Georgia. That's almost in Alabama. Hopefully he won't live there in Alabama. But, you know, you all can pray about that. Now, now you know, we're talking about intimidation, and you know I'm joking because you guys have great grandkids. Uh, but but this, is, this is what I want to talk to you about today. How many of you, how many of you feel intimidated when we talk about sharing our faith? Is there anybody like me that feels intimidated? Okay, uh, you know, when, when it comes to telling somebody about Jesus, I, I do feel a little intimidated. And, and uh, I know some of you all have said the same thing to me. So we're going to look at this scripture in, in, in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. And you can go ahead and go there. And if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. You can go there on your device. But we're going to talk about that. But I'm going to kind of set it up by looking at what happened to Paul before he got to Corinth. He, he was actually, we read the story in Acts 17. In Acts 17, it tells us that Paul was in Athens. He was waiting for two guys, Silas and Timothy, in Athens. And, and, and uh, he was actually just waiting for them and, and to join him. And, and he begins to notice some things. Now, you have to understand about Athens. Athens was considered to be the intellectual center, the, the cultural center of the world at one time. Not so much at this time, but the people there really still thought they were intellectuals, but they weren't. Athens was home to some names that you probably will recognize. Socrates, Aristotle, Plato, these great thinkers that, that are still influencing thought today. But when Paul gets there, not so much, okay? But they still like to think about it. They, they still, they, it says they spent their time talking about all the latest thoughts, okay? So, so not only do they think they're, self, they're, they're really smart people, but they also, uh, they, they think they're really spiritual. Now, when I talk about that, what I mean by that is Paul looked around and what he saw was a lot of idols, they had idols to the sun. They had idols to the moon. They had idols to their shoes. They had idols to their hats. I mean, if you could have an idol, they had idols. I mean, that place was covered up with it. So you have these people that think they're really, really smart. They're, they're, they're intellectuals. And you have these people that think they're really spiritual. And, and Paul begins to talk to them. He begins to engage them. And there are really two types of people there. There were a group called the Epicureans. And, and, and this is what they, they thought. They thought life was about having a party. They thought it was about pleasure and being happy. Okay, so, so that's, uh, that, that, that's that group. And then you have this other group called the Stoics. 
And they were all about duty and discipline. So can you imagine how the clash was? This group over here is trying to figure out how to have fun. And this group over here is trying to figure out how not to have fun, okay? And, and, and so the, the, you have those two. And Paul engages them. And he begins to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this was a new thought to them. And you remember, what do they like to do? They like to sit around and talk about new thoughts. So they said, Paul, we want to take you to the Areopagus, okay? The Areopagus is where all the smart people went, and they talked about the latest ideas. I guess it would be kind of like a university campus or, or maybe even the Internet, okay? The, the, the Internet, you know, we share all these ideas, and that's where they were. And Paul gets to the Areopagus, and, and he gets a chance to, to, to talk with the, 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 the very smartest people up there. And he begins to look around as he's going to think about it. And in Acts 17, verse 23, this is what it says that Paul did. He noticed that there was a God there, that there was an idol there. And this is what the, the label on the idol said, to the unknown God. They were very spiritual. They didn't want to miss anything. You know? and so so there, there he was. And he, says, he looked at that and he says, hey, guys, I want to tell you about this unknown God. Okay. I want you to understand who this unknown God is. And then he begins to talk to them, and he starts with the creation of the world, and he leads them right up to Jesus Christ, his death, and his burial, and his resurrection. And, 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 and then he says, you know what? There's going to come a day that you're going to need Jesus Christ. You're going to need him in your life because there's going to be a day that there'll be judgment. And, 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 and if you'll have him in your life, he will take your sins, and you will be resurrected with him. Now, I got to tell you, as a preacher, I will tell you exactly what I am when I read that. I am absolutely intimidated because what Paul preached was absolutely brilliant. There isn't a better job that could have been done. I mean, he was, it was absolutely eloquent. And as I read that, I get a little intimidated. I get a lot intimidated. But then this is what I remember. The same Holy Spirit that empowered Paul to speak, I have in me. The same Holy Spirit that, that empowered Paul to be so eloquent. If you are a Christ follower, you have in you. We all have the same power, okay? Hey, hey, don't be impressed by Paul. Be impressed by the Holy Spirit. And you're going to hear more about that in just a minute. But I want you to see how it all turns out. In, in verse 32 uh, of chapter 17 of Acts, this is what it says. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. Some of them sneered. Can I tell you what sneered means? It means they scoffed. They mocked him. They made fun of him. I, it wasn't pretty. And so and it said, and, and some wanted to know a little bit more. And then down in verse 34, it said, some of the people became followers. Some of the people. In fact, if you read the, the, the actual scripture, it says a, a certain few. It wasn't very many. And so his turnout wasn't real great. Now, I will tell you, if he had had thousands of people come forward, I would be intimidated. But it says he just had a few. Hmm. This really affected Paul, and you're going to see that in just a second. But I want you to see what it says in, in, ver in chapter 18 in verse 1. It says, after this, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. 
What we're going to do is we're going to get a chance to see inside Paul's mind and heart as we look at the passage, as we unpack it today. We're going to see what, what changes happened to him after Athens. You know, when you read about the, the Athens, you don't ever read a book to the church at Athens because there never was one there. Paul would go other places and there were churches. It, it was such a hard place. And this really affected Paul. And so, so he really changes his focus. And the sermon in a sentence today that I want you to hear is this. The sermon in the sentence is, uh, there it is. Uh, we must sharpen our focus to effectively communicate to Christ, uh, communicate Christ to families, friends, and neighbors. We must sharpen our focus, okay? And that's what Paul does. He sharpens his focus. And I, I want us to look right now in, in the, the, the scripture in, in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. And I want you to hear what it says there. And Paul says this. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or with human wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony. Okay, that's an important word, the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That becomes his focus. And then he says, I came to you in weakness. This gives you an idea of his mindset. He's discouraged, he's weak, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. The demonstration is important. So the sermon in the sentence is this, is that we have to have the focus so that we can communicate effectively. And what Paul is going to show us as he speaks to the Corinthians here is how to have that focus. Let me tell you, there are three words that I want you to know. The first one is this testify testify you've heard of the word testimony testify is simply giving our testimony about what we've seen and heard with Jesus Christ and and I want you to understand that is what we're going to talk about here this idea of testimony is very important it is simply us telling our story pastor Tim talked about it last week didn't he he said there there are three parts to your story how you were before Jesus okay what, what your life was like before Jesus, what brought you to Christ, and what is different about you since you have known Christ. Pretty simple, isn't it? That's it. This is how I was before I met Christ. This is how I met Christ, and this is the changes that have happened in my life. Now, I used to be this, then I met Christ, and now I'm this. Paul did it. He, after Athens, in, in Acts 22 and 26, he tells his story. This story is pretty amazing. He says, I used to kill Christians. I used to persecute Christians. Then I met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and now I'm on Jesus' team, and I'm trying to win people to Christ. Pretty simple, isn't it? It isn't fancy, but it's pretty amazing. I, I was killing Christians. I came to Jesus on the road to Damascus, and now what am I doing? I am on his team. Winning people to Christ. That's all that it is. And, and, and so we have to have our testimony. Can, can I just encourage you here? Is that we all have our stories of coming to Christ. And the best thing about our testimony, Pastor, Pastor Tim said this last week, is this. Is that nobody can argue our story. Because we're talking about what happened to us. Hmm. So, so they can't say that it isn't true or whatever. No, we, we can say that. My story is pretty simple. I came to Jesus Christ when I was 10 years old. I was a terrible person before that. I think I'd stolen a pencil, uh, maybe cussed a few times. Um, 
But can I tell you what? At that age, I knew that I wasn't good enough to spend eternity. I came to Jesus Christ. And I will tell you about the difference in my life since then. It has set me on a whole different trajectory. It has brought me to this place. It has led me to my wife. And I can look back and I can see how Christ has worked. But, but you know, there are other stories. And they're what I call stories of obedience. Uh, before but, but before I, 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 my life was centered around wanting to, to get the things of this world. Um, and, uh, and, you know, my plan was to go into science and have all of that. And, and at Lake Aurora Christian Camp, I was challenged to, to give my life to ministry, and I did. And I can tell you what, I have had satisfaction since that time through Jesus Christ. I could talk about, hey, uh, I became obedient when God said move to Milledgeville. I said, Milledgeville? Why Milledgeville? I was living in Ormond Beach, okay? Uh, so you know, some of you are all thinking, why Milledgeville? I know. Uh, but you know what? The obedience, the obedience has brought about some amazing things. And I'm so thankful for that. You see, your story can take many shapes and forms. And I just encourage you to do this, is to take some time to write down your story. Don't make it real long and flowery. Just write down your story and practice it and share it so you got it in your pocket when you get a chance, when somebody asks you for a reason for your hope that you have. Okay, first word is testify. The second word is focus, focus. This is what Paul says, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is our focus. If you're to go back to chapter one of 1 Corinthians, the last verse there, he says, I have resolved to to boast about Jesus. You go to Galatians 6.14, he says, I'm going to boast about the cross. And then if you go to the end of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15 and and verse 3, what you're going to see is, again, he he focuses here. He says, "For for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. And the first importance is that Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to scriptures. So you see, this is what's important. This was according to the scriptures, and this is what he did. He died for our sins. I will tell you, the focus has to be the cross. The focus has to be the cross. Can I tell you why it's so very important? You may not think this very often, and you may not understand this, but can I tell you what we all are? We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, okay? That's all of us. Okay, can I tell you what was meant for us? The cross. The cross. What what you see right here is the punishment. Now, I will tell you, in Jesus' time, they would never talk about the cross. Can I tell you why they wouldn't talk about the cross? Because they had actually walked by when somebody was hanging on the cross. They had seen the agony. They had seen what it did to to a person's body. They had seen the, the, the birds that would come and pick the flesh off of the people. It, it, it is absolutely not a, per, a, a pretty sight in any way. And so it wasn't like something they would talk about at dinner. In fact, they wouldn't even mention it. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This was meant for us. Let, let me just tell you. Let me just tell how, how I would tell you to, to look at this. You, you get those forms and it says, insert your name here. Well, that's what I would tell you. Insert your name here. Because this cross was meant for every one of us. The punishment for our sin was to be the cross. 
Now, the reason that we focus on the cross is because what Jesus did is he got up on the cross and he died in our place, okay? That, that means that he, he died for us in our place. And, and as you look at that and you put your name there, realize the thing that he has done for you. He's taken your sins and died in your place and has given you and given me eternity with God. We got to focus there because that is the good news. Do you, you know what we do sometimes? We get focused on all sorts of other things. Are you, are you with me here? You know, what do we do when we start talking about so many of these things? We, we'll talk about maybe things like divisive politics. Anybody ever talk about politics? Yeah, don't. Okay, it doesn't get anywhere. Can I tell you what? So many times when we begin to share Christ, it, it goes to politics. Can I tell you what? The, the, politics are not the hope of the world. It is Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, politics are not the hope of the world. And in fact, if you elected all the right people, all the, all the right people and you put them in office, can I tell you what it wouldn't do? It wouldn't change eternity for a single person. Jesus is the only one that does that. And, 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 and I just want you to understand, so many times we go there instead of sharing Christ. I want you to understand Jesus' team. It was kind of an interesting team. He had Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He had sold out to Rome. Uh, the Jewish people would have hated his guts. And on Jesus' team of the 12 disciples, there was also a guy named Simon the Zealot. He was a freedom fighter, okay? That, that's what he was. He was a nationalist. And those two guys would not have gotten along. It had been like having a, a Democrat, a staunch Democrat, and a staunch Republican in the same room and you know what? We never have a re recording of them arguing about politics. What they did with their lives was point to Jesus. That's the focus. So, so the first one is don't go to divisive politics. The second one is uh, arguments about morality. Arguments about morality. You know, we all have sinned. Amen? Okay, we're all there. And, and, so, and we all still sin a little bit every now and then, even though we're trying not to. But what do we do? We want to we we talk about morality instead of Jesus. Well, you need to get your life together. Then you can come to Jesus. That's not the way it works. You come to Jesus, and then Jesus works in your life. And what happens next is this, is he gets inside your head, and as you walk with him, you begin to change. As you follow him, your life begins to be a little bit different. And so what we do, we get wrapped up in the morality issues, and we never get to the point of telling them about the good news of Jesus who saved them from their sins. Okay, the third one is this, is debates about theology. Debates about theology. Can I tell you what? There's a lot of things in the, in the theological world that we can't agree on. But this is what I believe. That the things that are important, God has made really clear. Okay? I mean, he's made it clear. Jesus is the Lord. The Bible is God's inspired word. We've all sinned. Things that we can agree on. But you know what we typically focus on? The things that we differ on. Not long after I got here, I started putting the, uh, the, the names of different churches in the bulletin that we'd pray for. And I had somebody who came up to me and said, why are we praying for them? They don't have it all right. This is what I said, neither do we. We ain't got it figured out either. And when we want to focus on the differences, you know what? We'll never get anything done. 
But the churches that believe in Jesus Christ, the churches that believe that God's word is inspired by him, we are on the same team, and we're going to work together to save this community. That's just the way it is. So, so don't, don't get wrapped up in the, the debates about theology. And the next one is the Bible and science. The Bible and science, okay? So, so I love science, and, and, and that's one of my favorite things. And I have argued, I mean, I've had conversations, okay? <laughs> or not, not argue, you wouldn't know about science. You know, and, 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 you know, they've never won anybody to Jesus Christ. I'll just tell you, it never has. And so, you know, we could talk about evolution till we're blue in the face. We could talk about the flood. Was it local or universal? We could talk about what type of fish uh, swallowed Joshua. And, you know, that's, okay. What type of fish swallowed Joshua? Jonah. Okay, okay. Just trying to make sure y'all are paying attention. You see, that's how it works, isn't it? We could talk about all those things. Can I tell you what? Uh, the Bible is not a science book. To, to have the Bible, you have to have faith. The Bible is the story of how we messed up in what God is doing to make it right. Okay? So it, it, it's not the same thing. We've got to have some faith. The next one that I would tell you that we've got to steer clear from the distraction is high-pressure tactics. High-pressure tactics. I was actually taught high-pressure tactics on how to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. And, and, and it's basically leading somebody to Christ in 10 minutes. You twist their arm until they say, Uncle, and, and then you, you've saved them, right? Mm, not so much. You know what? If I can lead somebody to Christ, if I can talk to somebody about surrendering their life to Jesus in 10 minutes, I can probably sell them the Brooklyn Bridge also. Jesus Christ is shared by long-term relationships and walking with people and helping them to see him. One more, and that's just simply end-time speculations. I'm 62. I've been around for a while. There have been lots of guys that have written books about when Jesus is coming back. There have been people that have even put dates on when Jesus is coming back. And can I tell you what? Those dates come and they go. We are on the welcoming committee. We're not on the programming committee. We can't say when it's going to happen, okay? Uh, I'm, just, I'm just telling you. And so let's not go there. This is what I'm saying to you. That right there, the cross, Jesus Christ dying for our sins, that's the focus. And that's what Paul focuses on. He tells his story and how Jesus saved him. The third word I want you to hear today is demonstrate. Demonstrate. Paul says, I, I'm weak, I'm trembling, I don't know what to do, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. What Paul is saying there is that God's power was in me and that power has been demonstrated. What he is saying to us, he said, I'm gonna tell my story. They're gonna see the power of God in me. And can I tell you what? That's how we communicate is we let God speak through us and in us. I love to do this. I love to absolutely tell the story of Northridge. You guys don't realize this, but those of us that, that, that study churches and understand what goes on, 100-year-old churches don't normally hang around. Churches have a lifespan of about 30 to 35 years, and then they're used up, and they begin a decline. And many times by, by year 35, guess what happens? They've closed their doors. You can drive around our community, and we can see some of those. 
And so when I get to talk about Northridge and I get to talk about what God has done here, that he's taken a 100-year-old church and he's put new life in it, he's brought change, and, and, and this church is being effective in the community, can I tell you what it's all about? It's all about the power of the Holy Spirit and what God has done here, not any one of us. So I want you to understand this, that this is a great story because we get to tell about what God has done. The Holy Spirit is huge in helping us. I just want to remind you of some things. Mark 13, 11. Mark 13, 11 says, guess what? If you get called before the president or the governor or somebody important, you know what? You don't have to worry about what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit is going to give you the words. I like that. He says the Holy Spirit's going to put words in your mouth so that you can share about Jesus Christ. And then I go over to John 14 and verse 26, and what it says there is the Holy Spirit's going to give me a recall. He's going to help me to remember what I need to say. So you see this thing that happened to Paul that he was able to speak so eloquently, it happens in us. And then, then, then there was a language barrier in Acts 2. There were a lot of people that couldn't understand the message, and what did the Holy Spirit do? He translated it so that everybody could hear in their own language. And then, then Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit means that the love, joy, peace, patience flows from me. So the Holy Spirit is making my life attractive. You see, it is about allowing God into our lives and changing us. And then we get to demonstrate God's power. We get to demonstrate His power through how we live. It's pretty simple. We have our testimony. We testify about God. We talk about what he's done in our lives, how we were, how we came to know him, and then, 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 then how we changed. And in that process, I'm going to always point to the cross. I'm going to focus there because that is the good news that we have, that Jesus took our place. And then I'm going to allow the Spirit to work in me. Because when the Spirit's working, I tell you what, he cannot be stopped. This is what I want to challenge you to do. You're going to hear more about this in just a couple of minutes. But, but I want to challenge you as we prepare for Easter, we're two weeks away, is for you to begin to pray about who you're going to invite. You begin to work on your testimony, allowing the Spirit to work in you. And as you do that and you begin to share it with people, can I tell you what? Then, then, then what will happen is you're going to have some people that you can invite to come with you. And you keep it all focused right there because that's where it's going to be focused on Easter is the power of Jesus Christ in the cross. Are you with me? Can you do that? It's not that hard. And the best thing about it is the Holy Spirit will help you. And if we do that, this church will be packed on Easter. And people will hear, I'm going to guarantee you on Easter, they're going to hear the message of Jesus. They're going to see the power of Jesus in this place. Let's go back to the cross for just a minute. 1 Peter uh, 3 and 18. If you're serving communion today, if you guys will go ahead and get ready. Uh, 1 Peter 3 and 18 is up on the screen. And this is what it says. Christ suffered for our sins, okay? That means he died on a cross like this for us. Not a pretty picture. It, it, it would have been agonizing. It would have been something that you would not even want to look at. They would turn their heads so they wouldn't have to see it. He says he died for our sins once for all times. He's taken care of it all. He took all of our sins. And then, then see what he says. He never sinned. He didn't deserve this. Did not deserve it. But he died for sinners to bring you home safely. He didn't deserve it. 
but he died in our place. In just a second, you're gonna get a little piece of bread and a little cup of juice. And I want you to understand what it's about. It's about his death. It's about the good news that he took our place. And so we're gonna remember that he died. We're gonna remember that he was buried, but we're also gonna remember that he, he was resurrected from the dead. And just as it said in there, that he's there to carry us home safely. He's there to carry us home safely. We got a good savior, don't we? He took my place so I wouldn't have to. And I will get to spend all eternity with him. Would you pray as we prepare our hearts? Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.